Good morning, everybody. My name is Katie Wilson, and I'm a ministry coordinator here at Trinity. If this is your first time at Trinity, welcome. We're really glad that you joined us this morning. As is our rhythm here at Trinity, we're going to read from the Bible, and we're going to pray, and we're going to see what the Lord has for us. So if you have Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 17. Matthew 17, beginning in verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about this vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space. Jesus, we're thankful for this story about you, this moment where the disciples got to see you clearly. And Jesus, that's what we long for here, to see you more clearly. So in the time we have together, Lord, would you show us, reveal yourself to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you've been with us since January, we have, as a church, we've jumped off the lectionary, which is like an old Bible reading plan that gives us our sermon text each week. And we jumped off of it to, as a church, go through our core commitments. Going through the things that we feel like the Lord is calling us to be as a church and where he's leading us. And if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to them, I highly recommend them. They're on our podcast. I think it's important to know who we are uh, and what we want to be about. But because we jumped off the lectionary, we haven't talked that much about the season of Epiphany. And if you guys were worried about that, don't worry. Today, we're going to talk about the season of Epiphany. And like Brad, he said that he didn't grow up in a liturgical church. I also didn't. And so I feel like I'm still learning what these different seasons are. And I feel like I've gotten like good grasp on Advent, decent grasp on e like Lent and Easter, but Epiphany still feels a little bit like the blurry one. Like really, what is Epiphany? And if you think of the word Epiphany, you might think of like an aha or like, a, I get it, this light bulb moment. And that's what the season of Epiphany is about. The word Epiphany means appearance or manifestation. In the Christian tradition, it's the appearance of Jesus to the world, a manifestation of Jesus to the world. 
And the season of Epiphany begins after the 12 days of Christmas, January 6th, and it continues until this Wednesday. And what the truth of Epiphany is, is that in Advent, we talk about how Jesus is God with us, right? But Jesus is also the one who makes himself known to us. He's the one who reveals himself to us. And I believe that before we walk into the season of Lent, that this story is really important for us to talk about. And it's a pretty bizarre story on face value. It's like Jesus, bright shining light, two dead people appear, a voice from heaven, a cloud. Like it's kind of, lots going on here. And, but it's like also one of the more like iconic stories of the Bible. Like if there was a movie, like this would be a big scene in the, in the movie. And while the story itself is amazing, I think that like most stories, we have to know what came before to really understand what it's about. Like stories don't just happen in a vacuum, right? And so we have to look at what is the narrative that Matthew, the gospel writer, has been telling? And up until this point, Jesus has been doing an incredible ministry. He's been healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's been restoring people. He's been teaching with an authority that's drawn a ton of people to him. And he's done this with a group of disciples, these 12 men. There are also women following along with him too. And we get to this scene right before where Jesus asks his disciples, he's hanging with his disciples, and he goes, who do people say that I am? And they answer, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus looks and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, he responds, he goes, you are the Messiah, the son of God. And this is a big moment because the disciples get it wrong so many times in the Bible. Like they really never can quite put the pieces together. They're always like two steps behind what Jesus is doing. And in this moment, they see it. They get it. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of God. And I can imagine that it's this collective moment where everybody's like, he's the one who's going to rescue us. He's the one who's going to save us. And our next words in this text are, from that time on, so right after Peter says he's the Messiah, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Can I just imagine that the disciples are experiencing a little whiplash here? Like, did it just for a moment we say he's the Messiah? And now immediately you're going to tell us you're going to go suffer and die? Like, couldn't we have just had, like, a moment to relish that you are the Savior? And now this doesn't add up. This doesn't make sense. What do you mean you're going to suffer and die? And this is the point in the story where Peter like pulls Jesus to the side, which I'm like always feel so bold, and rebukes Jesus. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan, for you do not have divine things in mind, 
but earthly things. The disciples didn't have a paradigm for a suffering Messiah. They didn't have a paradigm for this man that they thought would rescue would go and die. And so it's at this point where I'm wondering if the disciples are beginning to doubt. Like, is he really the Messiah? Did we get it wrong? And this is the moment that our story begins. This is the moment where our text says that six days later, so six days after sitting with this kind of heavy go and die thing, they walk to a mountain. And if you know Bible language, like mountains are like where big things happen. So we know as long as they say they're going to walk up a mountain, we're like something, something big's about to happen here. And as we read, Jesus brings Peter, James, and John up this mountain. And as we walk through the text, there's a couple things I want us to notice. And the first movement I think we see is that Jesus reveals his true nature. I think there's a slide. Yeah. The text tells us that on the mountain, Jesus becomes dazzling white. His face shines like the sun. My guess is his clothes were probably dirty, so it was like bright light. And in this moment, Jesus is actually revealed for who he truly is. Because this word transfigured doesn't mean change into something new, but to change and make visible something that was already there, to make manifest what was already there. So in this moment, a veil is pulled back. Jesus doesn't like put on glory. He doesn't become super Jesus and divine all of a sudden. But who he really is is revealed. And one scholar says, it is the same Jesus, but now with an awesome brightness, like the sun and the light. Or one might better say, with the dullness of earthly conditions temporarily stripped away so that the true nature of God's beloved son can for once be seen. So far, Jesus' miracles have been outward facing. They've been healing others, restoring others. And in this moment, we see the miracle happening in Jesus' body. We see this moment where his glory and his power is revealed that the disciples have this moment where they see him for who he really is and reveals his true nature. And I think we all long for those moments of clarity, those moments to see who, who is Jesus really. And sometimes those happen in really epic ways. I can think back at different times in my life, these not few and far between, but moments where I like see him clearly. I see life and faith a little more clear, but so many of the times, those moments are so small and ordinary. Sometimes that I would be quick to dismiss. But I do believe that Jesus wants to reveal his true nature to us. And then the second movement we see is that Jesus is reaffirmed. So Jesus is shining bright, and then all of a sudden, two people show up, Moses and Elijah. 
And these two figures are important figures from the Old Testament. They're like heroes of the faith. It's really significant that they show up on the scene. They actually both had really important mountain experiences with God too. Moses was the one to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, and then he received the law on Mount Sinai. And then Elijah, he was the one who went up to the mountain and asked God to come And it's like God, the wind came, God wasn't in the wind. The fire came, God wasn't in the fire. The earthquake came, God wasn't in that. And then it was a still, small voice. You remember that? These are the people who are here with Jesus. And I wish we had time to get into all the different parallels and all the ways that Jesus is the new Moses, and it's really cool. But for us, I think what's essential is to know that Moses and Elijah appearing affirms that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, that he is the long-awaited hope of Israel. I believe that on that mountain, it was a thin space where heaven and earth were a little closer, where Moses and Elijah were actually there with Jesus. And then, I love, you know, good old Peter is like, Lord, I can be helpful. Do you want me to build some tents? And I just wonder if Peter had this thought in the back of his head, like, remember that whole death and suffering? Like, maybe we could just stay here. Maybe we could just keep that at bay for a little while. And while Peter is speaking, says a bright cloud descends on them and they hear a booming voice. And this voice says, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And if this sounds familiar, it's because it is. These are the words that God spoke over Jesus at his baptism. These are the words that we get to speak over these little ones, that you are the beloved. These are the words that God spoke over Jesus before he did any miracles, right before he went into the desert to be tempted. And I wonder for some of us if the epiphany or the appearance of Jesus that we need to hear is that those words are also spoken over us that you are the beloved of God? That before you do Lent perfectly, before you try hard to do all the right things and stop doing the bad things, before you're a really good Christian, you are the beloved? God says this to Jesus again before he even goes to the cross. And I think this also was very much for Jesus to hear, but also for the disciples Be like, maybe you are doubting. Maybe you are unsure that he really is the son of God. And this booming voice out of a cloud is going to make it crystal clear that he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. And so this appearance of Moses and Elijah and this voice from the cloud reaffirm who Jesus is. And then if we get to the third movement, it's that Jesus moves towards his disciples When the disciples heard this voice of the cloud, they were terrified. 
They were overcome by fear, it says. I imagine them crumpling on the ground, maybe covering their heads. And what Jesus does is he moves towards them. And it says he touches them. And he says, get up. Do not be afraid. And I imagine him like, you know, helping them get up. And I've read this story a lot of times in my life. And this particular part about Jesus going to touch his disciples really struck me this week. And I think that's because it feels really gentle and tender. That in a space where they just saw Jesus in all his power and his glory and his might, that then he would draw near and say, I'm still the Jesus that you know. You don't have to be afraid. And I think that part of the reason this has stuck out so much is I need the gentle touch of God. I can feel really overwhelmed by fear. Fear of vulnerability, fear of sorrow, fear of failure. And sometimes I'm like, I just need the Lord to be gentle. I need the gentle touch of Jesus and for him to look at me and say, Katie, do not be afraid. And I wonder if there are places in your life, too, that you need the gentle touch of Jesus and to be looked at and say, do not be afraid. We see Jesus in his power, and then we see him in gentleness by the way he moves towards his disciples. And then I think the fourth movement we see here is that Jesus knows what's coming next. That after Jesus touches the disciples and he helps them up and they start walking down the mountain, he tells them, don't say anything about this until after the Son of Man has died and been raised again. Jesus is going down this mountain knowing that he's on the way to the cross. Knowing that in not too far of the future, he's going to be on another hill. And rather than being dazzling white clothes, he's going to be bloodied and naked. That rather than being side by side with Moses and Elijah, the heroes of the faith, he's going to be in between two criminals. That rather than a bright cloud, there's going to be darkness. And rather than the voice of God, there's going to be silence. To where he cries out, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And I wonder if when Peter and James and John saw him on the cross, if they thought, is this the same? Is this the same God? Who I saw shining on a mountain not too long ago? And what I believe is that Jesus was just as much God while he was hanging bloody on a cross as he was when he was dazzling white on this mountain. He was just the same. Jesus knew that he was going to the cross. And I believe that Jesus knew that Peter, James, and John needed to see a glimpse of who he was before they went to the cross. And my last point is that Jesus desires to make himself known to us in power 
and gentleness. We see the power of his illuminating body, and we see the gentleness of the touch. And I think the disciples needed both of those before they went to the cross. And I believe that we need both of those. We need the power of Jesus, and we need the gentleness of Jesus. Because if I'm going to be honest, this idea of stepping into the wilderness, of engaging the wilderness in me and the wilderness around me, engaging the ways my appetites control me, my weakness and my vulnerability, doesn't honestly sound that great. I don't really want to do that. And why would I step into the wilderness unless I was stepping into the wilderness with Jesus, who wants to make himself known to me in power and gentleness? Because that's who he is. He's somebody who is powerful and he is gentle. Because Lent, for the sake of Lent, is terrible. But Lent is a journey with Jesus to the cross. And we know that on the other side of that is resurrection. So we can walk into this season knowing that we're, one, not alone. We don't, we're not called to walk into the wilderness alone. We have the church body, but we also have Jesus who desires to make himself known to you and to me. See, the season of epiphany really matters. We like, need to see who Jesus is clearly before we walk into the wilderness. And I think we can ask. I believe that we can ask Jesus to reveal himself to us. And what I have learned is that the more I let myself be known by him, the more I bring my weakness and vulnerability in the places I want to hide to Jesus, actually the more I see him clearly. My prayer for us as we begin this Lenten journey, it's not till Wednesday, but as we get close, that we would believe that Jesus wants to make himself known to us. And my prayer for myself and for us has been, come Holy Spirit, show us Jesus. Amen. We're going to spend the next couple moments reflecting on a question. Where do you need Jesus to reveal himself to you in power and gentleness? We're going to sit with that for a couple minutes, and then Brad's going to come up for communion.